And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable, um, which is presented by FourLights.fm. You can catch us um, there, and you can subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, you know, tune in wherever, whatever app you can think of. We're probably there. Uh, I'm Bob McDonald. I am the senior. Um, I'm actually, I'm the only Cleveland State columnist over at More Than a Fan Cleveland. I can be. You can see my uh, column every week at cleveland.morethanafan.net. And with me, as usual, is Jimmy Lemke from Panther U. Hello, everybody. And you can find Jimmy <laughs> on Twitter at Panther U <laughs> and at PantherU.com. And yes. Jimmy, this week we have ourselves a uh, we have ourselves uh, a special guest. We I'm have very ourselves a, yes, absolutely. We got we have ourselves uh, we have ourselves James Squire. James, uh, feel uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, uh, I live in St. Louis. Um, grew up in Valpo. Did not go to the university, um, but did graduate from the high school. Um, and I've been living in St. Louis for the past thirty-five years or so. Um, started seriously following uh, Valpo University in the 2001-2002 season, uh, and been following them ever since, and been a fan of the of whatever conference that they're in too. So, oh, I'm glad to have you, man. It's good. To we should we should mention the the, the the blog. I'm sorry. We should mention on the horizon. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's a, it's a good catch-all if, if anybody if you if you if you like following all the teams. Right. If you're in the in, in the morning. You wake up and you want to know what what the story is at all ten schools. Jim has set up on the horizon to give us the you know give everybody the chance to put all of our put all of it together. Right. All of the news art the news pieces together. How how do you put that thing together anyways? Um, well, I have a a big long list of bookmarks, and uh, any time, any chance I get, I make use of an RSS feed um, to okay. keep track of you know what I've already um, linked to. Um, in some cases, I just have to know where to go. Um, but I have a big long list of uh, bookmarks that I just run through. Um, and and yeah. where can people find uh, find you on the horizon? By the way, uh, what's it's, the address there? It's um, horizonleague.blogspot.com. All right, go go visit. Lots of good stuff over there. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 good because I, I go to it just about every day because it's uh when when he's updating it, it's good to for me to see. Um, you know, I I don't remember every website. And I don't keep up with all the stuff, so for me to be able to get, you know, all that all that look, I, I can I can look and make sure that I'm catching all the articles from the different schools. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of having that, so thank you for doing that because sure. otherwise I wouldn't be as informed as I am. Yes, and and, uh, and James, uh, where can people find you on Twitter or any social media for that matter? Um, well, I'm mostly on Twitter at uh, STLVU fan. Um, is the is the handle? Right. Um, I have a Facebook account, but I don't go there very often. Um, That's okay. 
I, I ejected oh. out of Facebook in 2011, so and haven't looked back since. <laughs> right, right. So it's so, how I connect with some of my some of my friends aren't on Twitter, so it's how I connect with them. But I don't. I I mostly hang out on Twitter. There you go. As as do, as do most of us. So um, there's a lot to get get to today. Um, we want to talk. We'll, we definitely want to talk about uh, Wright State's uh, disastrous. Uh, Michigan trip. Uh, we want to talk about. We definitely want to talk about Valpo. Um, definitely solid, you know, solidifying their spot at the top. And um, this is why I'm glad I got. We have James here. But first, first, UIC is no longer winless in Division One. Yep, they won. <laughs> they won. I don't want you to think that I'm, you know, reveling in your misery. Yes, um, because... I am reveling in your misery. I think it's kind of funny, but it's okay. Because, it, of course... Because, of course, the team that they beat in overtime on Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, Cleveland State. Yeah. It, it's... it's. I don't know. I, I don't think that UIC is as bad as, say... Uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology was a few years no. ago when they pulled me over. Um, I have I did watch that team a bunch to see like just like what they were doing that was so bad. I also remember uh, if you remember Prairie View A and M was another team that pulled an offer. Um, so did Bryant many years a couple of years yeah. ago I think. It's, Bryant it's, was also futile. We've had a few of them and I really don't think UIC is that bad because uh, there's a few players on on. Their team that they don't have that other teams don't have. The one that, like the one that I really like pointing to is Dikembe Dixon, and right. he's going to be a he's going to be a great player for the conference for a long time. He really time. is. I mean, he is. Dikembe Dixon is a is obviously a freshman of the year candidate. He has been all year. Um, but the thing is, I mean, it was such a – and they did it in overtime, and they did it with both of their big men. I uh, both their big men fouled out, and. Mm. You know, it was just a con the convergence of everything that could possibly go wrong for Cleveland State. Andre Yates was out again. He has a uh, he has a high ankle sprain and a foot problem, plantar fasciitis, so he was out. Um, Gary Waters is. You know his rotation has has basically devolved into I don't know. You figure it out because he's just running everybody out of there. With the exception of Jono Jansen, um, who is sitting at the end of the bench and is just glued there permanently, I think he's sitting over there at the end of the bench wondering, why the hell did I leave Australia? Because <laughs> he's running, because Gary Waters is running everybody out there, including two walk-ons. And he's running everybody out there, and he can't find the right combination to save sometimes his life. Sometimes you need, sometimes, well, number one, Cleveland State's not going to be winning anything this year, so... It, it, it's fine to be able to get walk-ons out there. If Walk-ons aren't there just to play on the scout team. They're there to develop, too, because if a walk-on turns into something while you've been around, uh, while you're playing, you, you if a walk-on turns into something, you've gotten a player without having to spend a scholarship. And that's, yeah. you know, that's pretty important to be able to have that. So yeah. um, and, and I think that's you don't want to not develop those guys. There have been examples of, of walk-ons that have earned scholarships too. Um, there was one at Valpo yeah, absolutely. a time ago. 
Yeah. Um, Jason oh, Averkamp earned a scholarship here. Um, let's see. I think. I mean, let's see. There are there are there. I mean, we've we've had probably a player every so often, probably every like three or four years, there'll be a player that'll earn a scholarship. Yeah, but sure. That doesn't, and, and that doesn't mean that team. those players don't. That doesn't mean that if they don't earn a scholarship, they're not useful. I mean, we have had. Well, that's true. Quite a few players and, that have turned out to be really, really, really important and, for us. And Cleveland State years. has had that in he they had that in, in Brian Watson, who was a who was a walk on the whole time he was there. Um, they've had people they've had players who've earned scholarship. You know, there's Jared Calhoun from many years ago during the Rolly Massimino area mm-hmm. era. Tim Kamchick was actually actually started out as a walk on, no but he didn't end up earning a scholarship. Yes. Um, also, um, Miles Hamilt- Hamilton was a walk-on. Um, he spent his transfer year. He was going to be a walk-on, but they gave him a they gave him a scholarship. And of course, um, he handily repaid Cleveland State by getting kicked off the team this year. So, but um, but yeah, the, the two that they have right now that are currently there, there's there's um, there's um, there's obviously Tim Hasbark and the, the kid from Germany, and then they got the they got another kid, um, not Daniel Levin. Unfortunately, he's his knee is hurt. Um, not a, not a tear, thankfully, but he's probably not going to come back this year. Um, he's a walk on as well. And then you have Nelson Maxwell. Um, Nelson Maxwell is actually an interesting story because he was he's from Orange, but he played at I think Fishburne Academy, and he's a walk on as well. I was actually I was actually um, I was actually he was brought to my attention from one of my followers on Twitter, um, a, a local hip hop artist by the name of Joey H. So uh, at Joey H four, he's actually got a song out. Yes, I'm shamelessly plugging the kid because he's the one who put me on the Nelson Maxwell. Um, but yeah, he's he's pretty much been the kind of focal. Put, he's pretty much kind of been the stand-in, you know, fill-in role for, you know point guard because Cleveland State doesn't have one. The problem that those two had yesterday is neither of them scored. And there that's the problem, ongoing problem that Cleveland State has had. And it came it. came to yeah. bite him in the ass yesterday. What makes matters worse is that the one the guy who was scoring, Kenny Carpenter, he had two shots to win the game, once in at the end of the game and once in overtime. And the one the, the his final shot in the in his last shot at the end of regulation, he made it. He tried to shoot it with 14 and a half seconds left, and it was it wasn't even close. It was like clank foo. <laughs> it was, and then the, the say he did the exact the exact same thing. Um, he did the exact same thing in overtime. I mean, I I, get, I mean he finished with 24 points, but you know, great he finished with 24 points, but those are the two things I remember. Right. Well, it's it's unfortunate. Sometimes you're sometimes, sometimes you're the, you get the bear, yeah. and sometimes the bear gets you. Yeah, it's just it's. I don't know what to really say about Cleveland State at this point. It's not. I I, I think some of the problems are just really just structural at this point. Um, well, and then and, and, we but, also know that this team would have been just fine if we didn't, you know, for the the stuff we won't mention anymore. The transfers out, so. I don't think well, it's I don't, much more you know, about I, I, making sure that you I, I keep think, the guys you have. Well, what's 
I think even beyond that, you uh, you know, I think even beyond that, I think the big issue that they have had is that um, I think Gary Waters was, I think he kind of knew that uh, that Trey Lewis and Anton Grady were going to transfer. I think that was that kind of went without saying. I think what he didn't count on was Kaza Keen going home back home to Canada. Because he was gonna, he was probably gonna be the starting point guard if he stayed mm-hmm. here. So he ended up transferring to Carleton University in Canada, which is actually one of the best college teams in Canada. So, um, and it's closer to home. It's also um, in Canada. Also I think in Canada. Valpo, I think Valpo played them. <laughs> well, he's from them. Canada, so. I think Valpo played them in, in August. They did. Oh, yes, they actually now. did. Yeah, and he was on the team at the time. It's like he's a I remember that now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did. There, um, what, and, what kind of talent level do they have in Canada? Is this like, is it mostly like Division Two level talent? Like, what what is it? I'd like to say I yes. I mean, theoretically, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it's I'm interesting. Not... Like, the uh, this idea that there might be like a whole other country of. Teams that are definitely not as talented as the United States teams, but like maybe there's teams that can beat. Because didn't Valpo lose it like one or two of those yes. games this summer? What one of the games? Um, whoever they were playing shot lights out, as if I remember right, and beat us pretty handily. Yeah, I think one of I, I can't think remember I, which I can't remember which one that was. I think uh, if I if I if I understand correctly, um, Valpo went up to Canada, played Carleton University, and I believe they also played Brookwood Elite, which is an AAU team. It, yes, it was Carleton University that uh, yes. they beat us seventy-seven to fifty-nine. And if I'm not mistaken, Kazakin was their uh, was their leading scorer. Um, That's funny. Irony of ironies. <laughs> I could tell you in a second. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you lose Kazakin and then Miles Hamilton, who was also a point guard. You know, he flames out spectacularly. So I don't think I don't think Gary Waters anticipated the the gigantic hole at point guard that he uh, he now has. And I don't think he also anticipated the inconsistency of you know of the play of Demonte Flanagan because Demonte Flanagan has been for the last two years. You know, he eventually. We knew that he was eventually going to take the role that Anton Grady was in, but with the problem with Demonte is that you know he he's he's one game off, one game off, one half on, one half off. Um, you know, last you know yesterday he was he pretty much sat on the bench for most of the second half with foul troubles because he got his fourth foul at like you know five minutes into the second half, and. Yeah. And the other problem is, I don't think he also. I think Gary Waters also probably expected infinitely more from Vinny Zolo. He probably expected at least a little bit more than he's gotten from Aaron Scales. And so, and since he hasn't been able to get that, he's had to start relying a lot more on a Rob Edwards, on a a Jabri Blunt. And I actually feel bad for Jabri Blunt because I he actually tweeted out because he actually missed a couple he missed a couple of free throws yesterday that probably would have iced the game. And he he actually tweeted out he was he felt really bad for missing both of those free throws. And I I almost wanted to say, man, it wasn't your fault. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't we, completely we your fault. Lost, what was it? We almost we almost lost last uh, you know on Friday night against um, against Green Bay in that in the rivalry game and. Akeem Springs, who has been oh, very yeah. good from the free throw line all season, was so bad that 
after the game, he actually stayed behind and shot free throws for, I, I think he shot free throws like for two or three hours in the arena after the game. Yeah. Kind of a little bit reminiscent of, um, what was it, Alec Peters after, after we went down to Valpo and, I mean, you guys beat us by 12, but Alec Peters was not very happy with his own performance. So he ended up like getting right back into the gym because he only scored seven points, and he was kind of really down on himself. You know, it's, it's. Yeah, I, 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 like, I like to see these guys. Um, I like to see these guys showing that they care about you know losing these games, you know, and not playing well. It's nice to see them get in and be interested to work on that almost immediately afterwards. So, yeah. as a matter of fact. Else, yeah, as a matter of fact, after the Ball State game, if I if I understand correctly, he uh, sort of had a let a uh, come to Jesus meeting uh, on the bus ride home because um, I think that was in 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 the team's mind that was our worst loss of the season was at Ball State. And if I, I were looking at it, I'd probably consider it as the worst loss of the season. And just and from he was the quoted, he was quoted in the paper afterwards as really being uh, strong about um, not being very happy with, with the team's performance. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the reason Valpo lost that game was you guys had – there. Were, Valpo was very hurt during the non-conference season. I mean, not yeah. to the level that Wright State was, but you guys had, had a bunch of injuries you were dealing with, and they all kind of converged right on that one Ball State game. Well, he had a couple of very key injuries. I think Skara had just come back, and he but he only played like three minutes, right? Right. He they tr- he tried to go one time and uh, apparently didn't uh, couldn't do very much, so he he never came in again. And um, and Tavon Walker was still out. You're right. So. Do I really? I mean, I, these are one of those things that it's one of those times where you feel bad that you know these injuries happen, and you always yeah. hear that well, the selection committee takes things into account. Yeah. But do they really take them into account when? Do they really take this into account when for for a mid major like Valpo? Yeah. Um, I don't know if Valpo would have the non conference you know strength of schedule to really do that, but. Either way, they were they've been doing very they've been doing very well this season, and it would, I would hate to see that you know that Ball State game be the reason that the selection committee decided to not go with Valpo because you know there were few, and it was it was more than Scara and Walker. I mean Walker didn't play, Scara played barely barely at all, but there were other guys that were hurt and playing hurt. Um, and the selection committee takes things into account. Like they'll definitely take into account when Denzel Valentine was out for Michigan State, but will they really take it into account when a guy, when a team like Valpo is missing players? Um, yeah, who and, knows? Yeah, and one of the things too, and and I think, and as I've seen, um, 
even after the law, the, the Valpo loss to Wright State, was the question of does this loss um, affect their, you know, their, their, it does affect their prospects. And it just, it, it sounds like that this was the, you know, the right state loss was their mulligan. At least that's what Joe Lunardi said. But, you know, knowing mm. Joe Lunardi, you know, <laughs> he, he says a lot of things that basically, you know, mid-majors don't like anyway. So. Right. I just, I'm not really a big fan of Joe Lunardi, but no, I'm, no, again, no, he's, he's the St. Joe's, he's the St. Joe's SID. So what, what are you going to do? He's an A-10 guy. Yeah. The, the the whole the whole feeling of the A10, the whole like slogan of the A10 should be, you know, we're 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 high majors and we're shutting the door behind us. Yeah, you know, they're okay. they, they, they don't Joe? want anybody to think of their schools as mid majors. Now wait a minute. But Joe Joe Lunardi is an SID. Joe Lunardi is the SID at St. Joe's in Philadelphia. I don't know that. Okay. Oh, unless he unless he's moved on, but he was that for a long time. Okay. So, but I mean, the 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 right state loss notwithstanding, Valpo turned that around and has destroyed everybody else since. Uh, you know, they yeah. they have immediately dispatched everybody. Just just you know, this this last week, you know, dispatched Cleveland State like they were nothing. Destroyed the well, Oklahoma also State about three, again three, like they were the nothing. Bottom four teams in the conference. So true. Yes, they are. And and um, I, I think with that, but then then come then at the same time, then you had Wright State, um, who had a disastrous trip up in up in Michigan. They get blown out in at Oakland, and then today they lost against Detroit, and Detroit just. Yeah. Detroit just lost to, to Northern Kentucky, which yeah. was surprising. You know, which basically to me. And we'll get a little bit into this later, and you know, the I'm sure that sparked the ire of Detroit fans that they lost in Northern Kentucky, and then of course Detroit turns around and and beats uh beats Wright State today. So well, I think um, Wright State ran into two into two problems is that in that both of those schools in Michigan are coming off really disappointing times. You know, Oakland and Detroit. You know, you know, Northern Kentucky loss the blowouts by Valpo, you know, I think both of those teams had designed, I mean, everybody, uh, you know, especially those two schools, but everybody kind of sees Valpo as like this, this team to give your best shot to, and yeah. for them to see themselves lose by that, you know, that much against them. And then the other losses that those two schools have taken, I think there was a lot of frustration that some of those team players had going into that, into into the those games, so I think Wright State just kind of was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh yeah, absolutely, and the, yeah, and then Northern Kentucky again, you know, just just surprising everybody. And then Northern Kentucky goes. It's amazing because Northern Kentucky goes up to Michigan and you know does what they do. Meanwhile, Wright State can't do it. Cleveland State wasn't able to do it. Youngstown State couldn't do it. You know, naturally, Youngstown State and Cleveland State had probably less chance than anybody to do anything. Of course, then again, you know, you know. Well, wait, I'm sorry. Youngstown State beat Oakland in Oakland, so um, I was gonna say they did half of it. <laughs> they got half of it. They, they yeah. but they didn't succeed all the way. So, right. uh, but yeah, you know, but so you know, you, you you get you get a Youngstown State that gets halfway. You know, it, it you know splits the pair where Wright State can't. Right. 
I'm wondering, just, is, it, is it possible that uh, at the end of the season we're going to look back and, and see that Wright State was much better at home than they were on the road? That could be it. I mean, the Nutter Center is, by all accounts, a really tough place to play. So it would it would stand to reason that they yeah. could they could definitely they they have the the opportunity to they have the opportunity to go undefeated they to be able to you know do very well at home. Well, the, their challenge, of course, is going to be in up in uh, their part. Their challenge is going to be on the road. Um, their challenge is going to be on the road. It was in Michigan. It will be at the Arc against yeah. Valpo for the return yeah. matchup because Valpo is going to look for blood. Yes. They probably saw that sweep in Michigan, and they, they smell blood in the water. So they're yeah. probably chomping at the beat to get a rematch with Wright State. It's kind of I'm why sure. I'm not looking forward to our rematch with Valpo because – Valpo won that game by double digits, but Peters didn't have a great scoring game, so I'm sure he's going to come out and drop 35 on us. <laughs> or try. I mean, and when anybody tries to score on us, they usually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, I, did either of you get to see the Green Bay-Milwaukee game on Friday night? I um, saw part of it. I saw was, everything but the end. <laughs> it was a very exciting game. Yeah, that was and a really – yeah, yeah, that that was a that was really you know you, you talk about rivalry games, Jimmy, and right that Milwaukee Green Bay game that had that was exactly what it, that it was exactly that that was the perfect you know back and forth buttonheads outstanding game. I mean that that could have went either way because that's right. that's how good that game was. Green Bay, at one point in the second half, Green Bay was shooting 78.6% right. from the field mm-hmm. in the second half. And we were down like one or two after only being up by a couple at halftime. It was a, it was an incredible, it was just an incredibly odd game. Because for all the time I've been a fan of, of Milwaukee, there is something I've learned from the free throw line is that Milwaukee's very bad at the free throw line, and Green Bay's very good. And the last two years have been like a complete bizarro act. Like Green Bay has all of a sudden become one of the worst free throw shooting teams of the conference, and we became the best. Um, second so, worst, uh, I think. The second worst, I think. UIC has them beat by a country mile. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 one of the worst. Let's put let's put it that way. So it, it's 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 odd seeing Green Bay struggle so much for the free throw line. And then we come to this game Friday night, and both of us did. You know, we, we shot, I think it was 69% from the line, which is still like about 6%, 7% less than our season average. So both both teams didn't really come up with a way to uh, – both, both teams kind of left it open to losing the game. Like, we both had openings. Green Bay played porous defense. Ours was somehow even worse. Uh, we were just it was just a really, really bad game all around. Todd Rosiak's the beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel for UWM. And he said to he 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 put out a tweet on Friday night during the game and he said he said there, neither team's playing much defense. And I said I, I replied to him, I said, I think much is a bit much. <laughs> it's just there there was just there was no defense whatsoever. It was an inc- incredibly bad 
Like if you, if you were if you were going to make a video as to how not to play defense, that exactly right there is what you would you would you'd show people a tape of this video of this of this game Friday night and you'd say, "Good God, please don't ever play defense like this." <laughs> and it's it was just it was so awful. And I've been thinking about it, and a lot of the teams in the Horizon League are just playing bad defense. Yeah. Bad this is defense. True. So, I mean, it's, well, how do we, what do we attribute to that, though? I mean, is really it cool. because of the, is it, is it because the pace of the game is now faster because of the reduction in the shot clock? Or is it just, or is it the, or is it the, you know, they're still getting used to the, the way fouls are called, the hand checking is now kind of taboo, and you know they're getting called on it a lot more. I mean, what do you what do you think that that's you know that's kind of driving these you know ridiculous looking you know scores at this point? Well, I do think that I do think that Green Bay and Detroit. Uh, I, I do think that we we added Oakland for one. And Greg Campy is very much a proponent of kind of like a free-running style. Um, Detroit has, you know, Ray McCallum's kind of built his team around that idea that they're going to run and they're going to take a lot of shots. And then Youngstown lost, you know, as we mentioned in the, pre- the previous podcast, Youngstown lost Bobby Haynes, so they've had to adjust their style of play. So now they're a free running team and then Green Bay loses Wardle and brings in Link Darner and he's a you know and Link Darner is this really great um you know this free running coach. So and then meanwhile of course you then we have Right. Then you have, you know, you still have Wright State who does, you know, Wright State who is, you know, that's their, you know, their defense is kind of their thing. I mean, Cleveland State, except this year notwithstanding, um, that's that's their calling card. And, and Valpo this year. Valpo this year, their defense is – it still remains pretty solid. I mean, you know, in, in terms of, you know, not really allowing too many people to score a lot of points on them. For the most part, right? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there there are some outliers within the conference, but it, it's it's you're probably right as it relates to everybody else. You know, kind of transitioning to that fast paced type of type of offense. Um, the irony of it all is that during on Friday during the you know when during the Oakland blowout of Wright State, it seemed to me at least that Oakland kind of took the, what what Wright State does defensively and kind of you know shoved it in their face basically. Hmm. <laughs> I would I would I wouldn't have any problem agreeing with that. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's <laughs> and that's really yeah, and I think um, getting back to Wright State in Oakland. When we talk about that, Oakland, you know, does that uh, this, you know, does the right state game, does that indicate that they've kind of finally turned it around after kind of a so-so first half of the conference season? I mean, that's I kind think, of the question that drives us, really. I think I'm more. I think I think it's more muddied. I don't think that I I, I don't. It's not that I don't think that right state. Is or Oakland is a is the number two team, or close to the number two team? I think what it is is that 
you have this you 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 just have a bunch of teams and Oakland's one of them, Wright State's another, and it was just Oakland's time. It, I, I think Wright State is still one of the best couple teams in the conference. I, I think that things have kind of shaken at them a little bit. Like if I were to put together kind of a power rankings right now, I think I would make Oakland. I think I would obviously we put Valpo first, but I think I yeah. you know go with Oakland then Oakland and Wright State in some order. I think we kind of fit after those two, and then I think it's a Green Bay, Detroit kind of pick them. Yeah, and I think um, yeah, I think uh, honestly, I look at I look at I look at kind of two through six in the standings right now, and it and it strikes me a little bit as the kind of the similarities from a few years back when two through six was kind of a um, kind of a pick 'em type of situation. Um, this year, of course, I think you know you, you do have Oakland and Milwaukee are probably going to and uh, Oakland, Milwaukee, and Wright State. When push comes to shove, those are the three teams that are probably going to. Um, kind of duke it out for that second spot in the end. Um, I think that uh, Green Bay and Green Bay might have something to say about that, but that totally depends on a lot of different other things. Um, Detroit, you know, they're, you know, they're the way they've been operating is, you know, pretty erratic. So I don't think, um, you know, when you talk about the top top half of the conference, um, they're slow, you know, it, it, they're they're a little hard to kind of read whether you want to put them in the conversation at all. I agree. Um, it's, it's yeah. Go ahead, Jim. Did something did something happen in today's game with Paris Bass? Because I saw tweets about him. Uh, um, almost getting teed up or something, and I I missed it. Um, yeah, I missed it too. It's yeah, it's it's, but you know, it's Paris Bass. So I mean, you know the and, the story, you know his his kind of you know his kind of trajectory, you know that whole thing going on with him this season, you know it's been on and off, and you know we well we had uh, when we had Kara Jones on a few weeks ago, you know that was pretty much you know. What he, you know, kind of his. He was, defi- he was the- definitely talking about how Paris Bass was definitely a me first type of player. Yeah. So I, I remember that. Um, but uh, the announcers seem to think that that um, I mean they didn't mention anything about another um, team violation, team rules violation on the broadcast. Um, but somebody tweeted about that too. Have you, have you I know, I know, Ray, I know Ray McCallum likes to do this thing where he'll um, he'll start somebody else over someone just because he want he like he's trying to send a message. He does that more than anybody else. Okay. So when you see a team, when you see Detroit having a lot of different guys starting for them, that has nothing to do has very little to do with. Um, you know, the, they don't have they have injury problems or something. A little, probably a lot more than the guy doesn't know how to you know keep a hold on his players, keep his yeah. players you know together. So he's you know just trying to discipline them, and that's how he's doing it. Yeah. So that actually brings me up to the next point. And Jimmy, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, particularly with Gary Waters, sort of with Steve McLean, but you know I think he's he's it's his first year at UIC. Too, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but you're looking at when when you look at some of the when you look at some of kind of the fan boards, um, 
you know, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of fans that aren't happy with their coaches. Um, Detroit definitely with Murray McCallum. Uh, Youngstown State with Jerry Slocum. Jerry Slocum is, I believe, in the last year of his contract. I do believe he has an option year, but I don't think anybody <laughs> in Youngstown State would be sad to see Jerry Slocum go at this point. I mean, even Wright State. I know at the beginning of the year there was uh, there was discussion about this being a make or break year with Billy Donlin. So they still have that thread going. That thread on the message board still going. Oh, okay. Um, there's always, somebody's always, you know, every every game they're kind of going back and forth. Like, is this really, you know, should we really be doing, like, is, is Billy Donovan really the guy? Is he not the guy? And it really depends on whether they win or lose. So I'm sure they're, I haven't been on their board since, since they lost. I am almost 100% certain that somebody's like, well, this Oakland game, you know, that means we need to fire him. <laughs> there's just, they're so, they're, they're so, Hot and cold, depending on what's, you know, how the team is doing. Yeah. So, I mean, where 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 Billy Donlin ends up in the in the minds of Wright State fans is probably whether or not he's in the title game, yeah. or a top two seed, and you know, yeah. or really just in the title game. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it It lends the question, I mean, who actually does like their coach outside of Valpo? I mean, you know, Valpo, obviously, you know, they, they got the Drew They got the Drew family, pretty much has it on lock, and that is what it is. And you Who know, does not, who just not completely escaped criticism, though. Oh, of course not, but, I mean, not to, to the point, not probably to the no. extent of, say, you know, say a Gary Waters or a Ray no. McCallum or right. even a Billy Donlin. Um, you know, well, yeah, Jimmy, I know we talked, uh, you know, I, I know that there's probably some, you know, there's some people out there who probably don't dig Rob Jeter either. Oh my gosh. See, <laughs> I told um, you. <laughs> I, I think, I think the, the list of people to, who are pro Rob Jeter at this point is smaller than the list of people who are anti Rob Jeter. I just think, you know, we, we, that, that, this is, has everything to do with Bruce Pearl. You know, he comes in, he lights the world on fire, takes the team to the Sweet 16, ups and leaves almost immediately. So you knew whoever yeah, was um, going to be the next guy wasn't going to have, you know, he, he was going to kind of have a real difficult time getting people on board to begin with. And then, yeah. on, well, and then on top of that, you're talking about this is a guy who's, he he had never been a head coach before, so he was gonna have time. He's gonna have a you know a period of time where he'd have to learn, and it's just it's it, it really all worked against Rob, and now it's time. You know he's he he is along with Slocum, you know one of the deans of the Horizon League. You know he, he's been here for eleven years. This is his, this is one of his best, you know this is one of his best teams. But they just it it really, that really doesn't matter to them so much. What matters to what matters to these people is that they get, he we get to the NCAA tournament, and he's Which never he did two years ago. Never, by the way, <laughs> two years ago. But you will you will before before somebody gives him credit for that, they will point to the fact that um, they will point to the fact that we are you know we did that with a seven and nine team. And that seven and nine team was fifth in the conference, and they caught lightning in a bottle. And, and they just they they'll, they'll want to go through the long list of why 
not instead of why. Um, these are the same people that, that when you when you say, does it matter that Rob Jeter had in his tenure has had to contend with the best Horizon League and Bruce Pearl's best years happened when the Horizon League was at its worst since we joined it? And they'll they will just they'll they'll listen to you and they'll say, and they'll just like shut shut it out and they'll keep droning on about how well Rob Jeter's not the guy, blah, blah, blah. This is you know, we need to fire I mean, there are still people who say we need to fire him when I mean he's in he's almost undoubtedly in his last thirteen months as the coach of the team because he's under contract through June of twenty seventeen and he hasn't they haven't update they haven't um they haven't given him an update. You know, she hasn't. She hasn't. Amanda Braun has not re-upped him in his contract. So, I'll, I just tell all these people. You know, you're in the twilight. You're you're likely in the twilight of the Rob Jeter era. You hope that that he can do well enough that he can get a you know another job somewhere else, and then you get Chad Boudreau as the assistant, who I you know is a very good friend and a very good coach, and he's the guy behind every JUCO player we've ever recruited, which JUCO players are how we've built this program. You know, guys like Matt Tybee and back in the day, uh, James Ayers, or, you know, transfers. You know, Chad Boudreaux has done a lot of building for this program, so you hope that, like, when you hope that Jeter can move on in a way that we can, you know, keep his momentum going, but you're never a hundred percent sure, and these people, a lot of them just really don't like Rob Jeter, and it's because Rob Jeter's not what Bruce Pearl was. Bruce Pearl was a used car salesman. It, when when you listen to them talk, it, it's it's not that it's not the style of play. It's not Bruce Pearl was a winner as much as it is that Bruce Pearl's just such a likable guy. When you're when you're sitting in front of him and talking to him and he's on your side, as in he's the coach of your basketball team, you 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 love having him around, and these guys loved having Bruce Pearl around. A lot of them were became fans because of Bruce Pearl. They had been apathetic before he got here, and they became fans after you know when he was here. And because of ties to the university and the city, they've remained fans after he left. And they want another guy like that. And it's just, I think everybody's just, a lot of these people are just at this point where they're just kind of tired of, of getting close and not there. And when I say there, I don't mean the NCAA tournament because we have gone to the NCAA tournament in 2014. Um, you know, we were there for the NIT. But what we weren't, what we didn't do was we haven't gone to the Sweet 16 since. And it's like, you do realize that we are a mid-major, right? You do realize that uh, there are sweets, uh, uh, the number of teams in the past 15 years that have gone to the Sweet 16 out, from, from outside the power conferences and perhaps like the Atlantic 10 and the Missouri Valley, you know, you realize that the amount of teams that have gone to the Sweet 16 out of, out of all the rest of the conferences, you're talking about like, enough to fit on one hand. So what do you ex- what do you expect of this program? Um, and more to the point, um, if you do decide, and this is going to be the quandary for anybody who 
happens, they need to replace the coach. I mean, and it has been kind of the the canon for mid-major coaches, particularly even, you know, Horizon League being the example here of if you get rid of this guy, do you, is there any guarantee that the next guy is going to be any better? Yeah, it, it, there are schools that have gotten rid of coaches because they've they've won somewhat but not a ton. And then they won and then they wonder, you know, oh my gosh, this new guy is just so bad. I think Howard Moore was a good example. Not he that was. Howard Moore succeeded. I don't think I don't think Howard Moore was like I don't think he you know, I, I don't think Howard Moore you know, blew the doors wide open. I don't think Howard Moore was this amazing coach yet. Mm-hmm. I just don't think these I, – I just think that UIC got rid of him too soon, and now they're seeing maybe we didn't do the right thing. Maybe we should have stuck with him for a while. Yeah. And well, they didn't. So we. Well, so well. now you're seeing – I mean, it's a transition year, so it's really not on – it's not on um, – it's not on Steve McLean. No. To really, and, and to again, really do this in year going, one. And again, yeah. going back to going back to yesterday's win with McLean, you do see sign of come some kind of peaks at the future because you have, you know, you obviously have Dixon, you have Odiasi, you had you had Young, who was the second leading scorer yesterday. I mean, he's the guy. He's the guy who ended up eventually killing Cleveland State yesterday. Yeah. You have the you have a really young team, and they pointed it out during the broadcast, which I might add was for the first time in a long time on the Horizon League Network and not on ESPN three. I think we had a there was another we've had like three or four games this season. Not we as in Milwaukee, but we as in the Horizon League have had like three or four games this season on. So. The Horizon League Network, and, yeah. and we've talked about it a couple times before, so we sure. don't really need to. We don't yeah. really need to open that can of corn yeah, again. I just. But yeah, you, but yeah, but again, to your point, you know, McLean is probably, you know, he's got the, you know, he's gonna since he's got such a young team, he's got the growing pains, you know, he's, you know. We're going to chalk this year up to being kind of a learning experience, a long, painful one for him, as it turns out. Um, Link Darner has with with Green Bay. I mean, given the given the crew that he has, obviously has been able to transition pretty well. Uh, you know, Green Bay is still you know an upper you know still part of that upper half, you know, the upper half of the Horizon League. So I mean. You know, those are two, you know, Link Darner is probably an example of a guy who was able to kind of make the transition, it looks like, a little better. Um, I think Link Darner had had a better returning roster than Steve McClain did. Sure. Um, I think, I mean, Jordan Faust, let's let's be totally fair to to Steve McClain. He did not inherit one of the best five defenders of the past decade in the Horizon League. No, he Jordan didn't. Jordan Faust is one of the best five defenders of the last ten years since Valpo joined the conference for sure. We have yeah. not had a, a, a and and here's the other thing about him is that he's the most versatile defender I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a, a player who is so adept at defending one through five. He can defend. Yeah. He could defend. He could go up against Oakland, defend Kay Felder. And Percy Gibson, he could go, he could go into Valpo, 
defend Keith Carter and Vashel Fernandez, and he wouldn't be out of place in either one of them. I mean, obviously, Vashel's not the offensive wonderkin that you know some of the bigs are, but but Jordan Faust can shut everybody down. Sure, he can shut yeah. all those kids down. He's he's such an excellent player. And, and over the last two years, um, with with all the stars and all the you know very excellent players that 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 Green Bay has had the the Alec Browns, the Greg May, the totally. you know the, the obviously Keith for Sykes, the per, the one the one player that always I dreaded you know dreaded facing more than any of them was Jordan Faust. And just based on that, and you know, just just what you described on his versatility and his ability to defend. I had five. mentioned I had mentioned on the Green Bay board that um, because there were some people come uh, com- kind of complaining about the loss, you know, they're kind of feeling bad. They're kind of out out there like, you know, we lost to Milwaukee. We should have beat them. Blah blah blah. And obviously, I disagree with that, but um, you know, they wonder like. You know, did we? What's going on? Or, 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 or when? When is it okay to become impatient mm-hmm. and things like that? And I'm like, look, Link Darner is following a very good coach. And by the way, in the last two years, you may have just gone to the NIT instead of the NCAA tournament, but you have those two teams. Each year, you lost one of the best players in your history. Mm-hmm. Alec Brown the first year, Kiefer Sykes the second year, and and the other thing I wanted, I, I had said on there was, look. I, I, I was going to say they, they say that they were two of the best five in conference history, or excuse me, in school history. Okay. I, I was going to say if they were the best, two of the best five. But then I started thinking about it, and I was like, maybe they're two of the best, like six or seven. Because now, partly, I don't. I'm not. You know, I'm not. Obviously, I'm not a historian for Green Bay basketball. In terms of Green Bay basketball, um, probably the best player to come out of Green Bay, I thought, and you know, I, I thought was Jeff Nordgard from yeah. Yeah, I, I, I Jeff the, Nordgard and Tony Bennett are on there. Yeah, I was saying, but I, I I had hesitation and then said best six or seven because, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that maybe Jordan Faust might be a better player. You know, I I think if I were building a team, and I wanted to, and I had to pick from those three players, I think I would take Kiefer Sykes, but I think I would take Jordan Faust over Alec Brown, because Alec Brown is a really good post defender. But I I think I I think Jordan Faust is just so much, so far and away, a better post defender than we've seen, or a better overall defender from all different angles. Than we've seen in the entire conference that he he might be one of their best players ever, and it's that's the kind of player that he has at, that Link Darner has over there that Steve McLean doesn't even come close to putting on having on his roster at UIC. No, so I mean, he's got guys. Yeah, he's got freshmen, so he's got. You know, I mean, while you know, while Dixon, Dikembe Dixon, may grow to be that guy, he's still a freshman, so he's still gonna make freshman mistakes. He's obviously, you know, he he's got a long way to get to where Jordan Faust is because Jordan Faust has the experience behind him. Right, right, right. I'm just, I, I, I'm just saying, there's a, there's a lot more on that team. There's a lot better team that Link Darner inherited. 
the one the one thing I I'll also say to Green Bay is look at how Link Darner has done with a team that while he's had a good roster, that's really not a roster that's built for his system. That no. RP forty, which I guess they're trying to push, is this it's it's this relentless pressure for forty minutes. That's what he's that's what he's pitching, and. His team's not built for that. Carrington Love probably could be like the number two or three guard in that system. Jordan mm-hmm. Foss would definitely be a great fit for it. But the rest of that ro- roster is not really built for the RP40. I mean, there's a couple guys. I think Charles Cooper might be. But really, all in all, he doesn't have the roster for his system. So Green Bay is, what are they, fourth or fifth in the conference right now? And they and they're doing and they're doing this in transition. Fifth, I think Link Darner is a really good coach, and I think well, he, he's, he was he had a winning tradition. You know, he really did have a very good, you know, winning well, they did, tradition. They won the division two national title exactly last so, year at Florida so, Southern, and he did this, and he did this. You know, he did something that Greg Campy who was long considered one of the best coaches in Division Two, Campy never even got to the the Division Two final. So what are we really talking about? We're talking about a guy who's really good. Yeah. Really, really good. And, and I think and I think the you know and I know that and I know that in the beginning, you know, when, when Wardle left, I know that when Wardle left, the there was kind of a you know, there was kind of the discussion on who should replace him because I know that there was a discussion about potentially maybe, you know, one of his assistants taking over uh, Brian, something Brian like that. Brian was the assistant. Right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Brian Baroni was the assistant they wanted. He ended up going to become head coach at Butler Community College, and he actually, I think he resigned already because of a, a drunk driving. Ooh. Um, people have problems, and it's they, they are their own, and sometimes yeah. those problems are difficult to so, deal with. But, but, but yeah. I, Brian Baroni was who the players wanted. Yeah. Um, that's what I remember. I, yeah, I that's know, what I was... I know, I know from, you know... I know that Faust and Love had preferred Brian Baroni, and they liked Link Darner when he got there. Um, mm-hmm. There's a story to tell that I can't really tell um, right now because it's not really my place to tell it. But yeah. um, re- regarding those those two players specifically and mm-hmm. their plans for sure. <laughs> and their yeah, plans I mean... for this this year and beyond and. It was, um, you know, I think that I think that they'll be happy by by the end of the year with sure. how their senior years went. I think um, they, these are two of the I mean, two of the winningest players in the in program history. So yeah, and I think them. And, and so when you look at that, you know, and, and so when you look at that, obviously, when you think about when you think about Green Bay and Link Darner, and you know, being able to. Um, being able to inherit that team and then convince that team. Cause you know, honestly, you know, as we've seen with, as we've seen with players in the past, you know, a coaching change doesn't necessarily guarantee that the kid wants to stay there. 
And so for Link Darner to be able to convince to be able to convince everybody to stay and be able to, yeah. you know, create a an environment where they are still competing in the upper half of the Horizon League, even though they've lost the Kiefer Sykes and the, a Greg Mays, it, it really says something about Link Darner. And it, it, it he's actually to me kind of the exception. Oh, to the kind of the that whole situation is kind of the exception to the to the you know kind of the history of coaches being replaced coaches being replaced because you know for every you know for every link darner you're gonna have a couple of Mike Garlands in there. <laughs> yeah, you you never you never know what you're gonna have when when you come back and get a new coach. So you if you're if you're succeeding. You need you you need to kind of find a lot of these fans need to find a way to accept being the third or fourth best team in the conference on occasion. There's you know every all ten teams are playing to win, so you can't just automatically assume that because you have some built-in advantage that you think you have over everybody else that you should always get there. And if the coach you know if the coach only gets you to the tournament once out of every five years. And you don't win a game in that one year when you get there, you know that it's time for you to move on and fire somebody. I just, I, I just think there's, uh, I think there's runaway expectations for a lot of these schools in this conference. Oh yeah. Um, Jim does, Jim doesn't have any problems with that right now. <laughs> well, well, Bubbles doing fine. Yeah, yeah, but um, as far as the coaches being, uh, fans calling for coaches to be fired, one of the instigators for that I think is um, and we've seen that on at Valpo um, the long string of near misses against power conference teams wears on you um, yeah. just yeah. coming close and you, you get after a while you get people denouncing moral victories um, I still would like to know where that phrase came from to be attached to that meaning um, but it does it does get tiresome um, to keep coming up just short um, against teams, and then if you're not coming up short against them, you're you're getting getting creamed, um, right. and and you know it's frustrating. And when people get frustrated, they uh, lash out at at any you know any. Uh, um, quick remedy they can think of, I guess, and one of them would be to to get a new coach. It's, I just think that's that's one of the one of the uh, drivers of that. Sure, absolutely. I think the, the, the problem at Valpo right now is, you know, it, it's not do you fire a coach? It's how long can you keep? Bruce? Well, yeah, we got that problem. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a, I think it's a better problem to have because it yeah. gives you an indication of where you're at. Yeah, I'll um, take that one fur one step further, James. Um, you know, the not only the frustration of you know, I'm sure that some teams in the conference have about near misses with the high majors, but then you then also have the frustration of getting close and not beating the top teams in your own conference. Sure. You know, perfect example last year. Was the perfect example last year was Cleveland State, yeah. where Cleveland State had the opportunity to 
take the take the regular season title and host the tournament. All they had to do was was beat Detroit or beat Valpo, and they didn't do either of those things. And so they ended up not. They ended up as the. They ended up as the fourth seed and ended up getting you know bounced out of the semifinals. And right. so um, there there's some frustration there as well. I mean because last year, now you know thinking you know hindsight being 2020 was that it was that it was Cleveland State's last best shot. Right. Considering what came afterwards. Yeah. I think I think the the scary thing is that there's multiple programs where I can pick a point in the last few years and kind of point to that as like their last shot at something, at being having real success. Um, mm-hmm. Cleveland State was one of them. The the other ones definitely um, Green Bay passed up with two of their best players. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Green, Green Bay has the exact same problem as Cleveland State did, because Green Bay, for two years running, had the be, you know had on paper the best team, and then last going back to last year again, they needed to win, and they what happens then is they get swept by Cleveland State, and that kind of puts the Kaiba then so they end up not getting the top seed, and they end up getting you know, bounced out of the tournament, out of the conference tournament. And then the so, year before, of course, you know, so they, the, problem, they, the problem I see is that this is, this is the, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. The, no, that's the, fine. The problem here is that this is kind of the, the negative side of many negative sides of ha- being in a one bit league. Mm-hmm. Is that as a conference, if you're not, able to get to the NCAA tournament without winning that conference tournament, all of a sudden, you're in a real bad way. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't get, you didn't win the conference tournament one out of every you know, few years, all of a sudden the question is, well, will you ever get back? And the impatience is there. And, sure, sure. I mean, there, there are teams in power major, in, in power conferences high major conferences where they won't come close Mm -hmm. to winning conference titles, but they're in the NCAA tournament every year. Sure. So they kind of, their, their, their fans aren't worried about it so much. Mm -hmm. So they're not complaining as much and they're willing to keep a coach because what does it matter that we're, you know, we're, we're not winning the conference tournament because we're going to the NCAA tournament. And maybe that team will win, you know go to the Sweet Sixteen, and all and it's it's totally fine because hey we went to the Sweet Sixteen it doesn't matter if we didn't win the ACC or didn't win the Big Ten we got to the we got to the you know the Sweet Sixteen we're one of the mm-hmm. best sixteen right. teams in the country yeah so there you go. it's the it's the problem of the one bid league so the que- the question for me at this point is. I'm a fan of Milwaukee. Bob's a fan of Cleveland. James is a fan of Valpo. Three of our, the three of ten schools, ten schools that are very much interested. You know, that we all have fan bases that have expectations of getting to the NCAA tournament because that's that's our that's the success. 
Um, that's the meter of success at our level is if you get to the NCAA tournament, you had a successful season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think at some teams, I'll point to Valpo this year, you know, sometimes there's a little bit more you're looking for. Valpo's been to the tournament, you know, a few couple times the last few years. Now it, now it comes to the point is, you know, now it's time to put up or shut up and win a game. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, for the rest of us, it's about get. It's about getting there, and you yeah you have to get there, and in a one bid league, we're not we're not able to do it. So the question sure. for me, should, I I really think is we shouldn't be talking about our coaches as much as we should be talking about what can we do to make this Horizon League a multi bid league, and I don't think it's impossible. But I think some tough decisions have to be made, and obviously, you guys know me well enough that you know part of what I'm gearing up for. But Here we go. Yeah, it's 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 de- it definitely has to be said. There's there's a point where you you are hurting yourself by being associated with some teams. Um, we had a nice dis- Bob and I had a nice discussion with a guy on Twitter last night. I think it was a Cleveland was he Cleveland State fan? That yes, was yes, long time Cleveland, long time Cleveland State fan. Yes, who uh, I, I was, just I was, found uh, who I just I, found on Twitter last night. By the way, I had never uh, I had never met him before, so I was I was happy to have the conversation. I, I, I was familiar him. with the name. I I, re- I remember him from from many years back. So I'm, he I'm, was so. he was kind of he he would listen he was listening to the podcasts previous and, and he's probably comments, listening you know, now too. So uh, t- uh, hello, Mike Deneen, and thank you for yeah. listening. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, we really appreciate you know the subscriptions, the follows, all that. But what what, what I wanted to bring up from that discussion was he had talked about how yeah uh, he, uh, he was pointing out that. You know the academics don't come into play, so why am I talking about Green Bay's academics? When that that's really a thing between us. But yeah, that's a, that's more of a kind of UW. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with Green Bay specifically as um, for the Horizon League. I don't think Green Bay shouldn't be in the Horizon League. I'm totally fine with them being in the Horizon League. And considering um, they outperform in the you know they they've really outperformed yeah, their budget. I think, I think that that Green Bay by far is the school that gets the most bang for its buck as far as mm-hmm. athletic basketball and athletics budget per you know victories and wins and postseason appearances and all that. So I, I think Green Bay achieves above and beyond. What my problem is is that I, you want to avoid having these gong programs that don't ever do anything. And uh-huh. I think that I, I, the decision that I've brought it up a couple times, I think that we probably should have, instead of bringing in Northern Kentucky, we probably should have subtracted Youngstown. And it's something I, I, I'm kind of a broken record on it, so I won't get into it yes, too much. Yes, um, it- Funny yeah, enough, you mentioned that. I know that the uh, I know that our, because they don't but, want to hear me knocking their school every every other day. But we have ten schools. Nine of them put men's basketball first across the board. One of them does not. And you just you you whatever we talk about adding adding a school to the conference because everybody likes talking about adding schools because you're bringing in somebody new. Mm-hmm. You know, you're bringing in a new a new new blood. It's gonna make bring up drum up interest even among the diehards. 
you know, oh, wow, I'm interested about this new program. And I'm very interested about having Northern Kentucky be a, yeah. you know, part of, or, you know, part of the team. But we, we talk about the new blood, and we talk about when you're talking about what teams you want. You know, you're uh, first and foremost. I think all of us are looking. You, we'd like to add a school that's got basketball success, but then sure. we're looking about fit. You know, what what is the fit? And a lot of the times, the private schools want to find another private school. A lot of times, the uh, the public schools either want to find you know a, you know they want to find schools that kind of match their uh, match their mission or match their profile. And the problem I keep seeing is that we have a school that doesn't fit us and it's not this is not a knock on Youngstown State because if I had a football team that had the kind of history that Youngstown State did I'd probably be a big football fan and want as to put they all are and, as, into football. and especially since your president is in fact Jim Trestle yes <laughs> I mean, how can you not be a football – how can you not be a – you know, if you're at Youngstown State right now or you graduated from Youngstown State, how could you not be a football fan if your president is Jim freaking Trestle? Well, he was the coach too a long time ago. Right. He, he was, was exactly. You are, yeah, he was nice. part of their – yeah. So obviously Jim Trestle uh, – Youngstown should be doing sure. everything they can – to be a, how would I say this? They should be doing everything they can to be a great football power. But sure. that doesn't mean that the rest of this conference has to get dragged down with them just because of that. And I know that young, I know that UIC has been much worse than Youngstown the last two years. Sure. But since Youngstown's been a part of the conference, there has been, I think, exactly one year where they've been any kind of decent? Well, that, uh, that Kendrick, the Kendrick Perry CIT season. That, well, I think even in that year, they were sub-500 overall. I think there, I think there was like, a year, yeah. I want to say it was 06, 07. Mm-hmm. They were something like, uh, I want to say it was 06, 07. Youngstown State was something like fifth in the conference, and they were, um, I think they were like nine and seven in the Horizon League or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that, and this was Youngstown State, but this was a year where we only had nine teams. Their their best year in my memory, they were still one of the one of, they were still in the back half of the conference. So, you know, this is this is this this is the program that we're all kind of looking towards. And you know, this is a program that I think we should be looking towards and saying, you know, is does it serve us for them to continue to be a part of this conference? And I don't think it does. I think membership is something that has to be pushed for. Um, that rant should be over. The, the, the other thing we need to start thinking about is what do we do as a conference to, you know, make it work with the membership? And... I think that we re- really need to be starting to push for more challenges because I know we had this problem this year, and I know that uh, Valpo definitely had this problem this year. It is hard to schedule mm-hmm. when you are yeah. a good mid-major. When you are a good mid-major and maybe not an elite mid-major, if you are perhaps 
uh, a top 175 team. You know the the school. You know people are going to be worried about playing you. The, you know, so I, I I I know some of our scheduling, and I've talked okay. to one of the coaches at one of the others, a couple of coaches at the other schools. Uh, I caught a coach at Youngstown. I've uh, I caught to a coach. I talked to a few coaches, and um, a common thread with with them is you know we just need more games. We need better games. So the Horizon League needs to be willing to spend some money. Um, one coach had brought up that the Horizon League needs to start playing more buy games. That the Horizon League needs to start bringing in a bunch of yeah. They just, we need to start bringing in teams to beat up on. And they point to the MAC how the MAC will put in a lot of teams into the um, they'll put a lot of teams. Into the what? What is it? The postseason. Uh, not always the NCAA or C, and, the NIT. Thing with the, the, see, the, thing with the, the thing with the MAC is typically is the MAC also has the MAC has the same problem as the Horizon League. So for as many teams as the MAC has, yes, they're probably going to get some. They're going to get multiple post postseason bids. But typically, the MAC is by by and large in the same boat as the Horizon League as it pertains to being a one-bid league. I don't remember the – I really don't remember the last time that the MAC has had more than one team make it to, make it to the NCAA, and I don't think that's going to – I don't think that's going to change this year. So um, with regard – but, but you, as it relates to the MAC, though, you also have – you have opportunities – because they have scheduling needs, the Horizon League has scheduling needs, and you see this in some of the teams within the Horizon League playing a lot of MAC teams. Like, for example, Cleveland State this year played five MAC teams. They they um they pretty much they played a good chunk of the of the MAC this year, and so yeah. um and I think for mid majors to me at least I think the for them to be able to, you know, be able to get into to kind of elevate their game, um, I think, you know, obviously the mid major, you know, heading to some of these games, you know, with high majors is one thing, but I think also too, you know, being able to to mix in some more fellow mid-majors as opposed to, you know, cream puffs from the Southwestern Athletic Conference or non-Division One teams, which, yeah, I mean, you know, drive me crazy every time I see it. We had Trinity and Judson on our schedule this year. And it's it, – it, it, that comes from not as much – it doesn't come from us being like this world-beating team – Mm-hmm. But it comes from us being this team that's not a world-beating team, but a sure. good team. Yeah. Uh, so, has got the same problem. Uh, yeah. Their problem is probably a little more, a little easier than ours. I mean, they got Iona, which was a game we couldn't have gotten this year, um, and that was, and that's because Valpo looks to be like they'll probably be a top fifty team at the end of the season. They will. So there, there's. When you're talking about mid-majors, 
and you're a high major school looking to schedule them. This is what a high major assistant recently told me, is that you're, you're looking at what, what's the risk? If this team, if we pay this school $75,000, they come in and beat us, what does it do for us? It, how bad is it for our program? So a school like Butler, when they were winning quite a bit and they were going into pretty much everywhere and they were you know, beating a lot of these teams, they were getting those games that the rest of us couldn't get because teams in the high major conferences were willing to take a loss on, you know, they were willing to risk a loss because it didn't matter so much when, you know, the loss wouldn't matter so much when that, that team was probably going to be a top 50 or at worst top 100 team anyways. And then because it's a mid-major, they still think they have a really good shot to win anyways. So they'll put them on the schedule and say, hey, maybe that'll be a top 50 or top 100 win mm-hmm. for us that we may not be able to get as many of in the conference season. So for a school like Butler was or Xavier was or Gonzaga was, you know, being the, being the elite mid-major, it's a lot easier to schedule because there's, there's value in playing you no matter what, sure. whether they win or lose. And the problem for Milwaukee and a lot of these, a lot of the Horizon League schools is if, if we go, if we take that bye game, if a team offers us a bye game, we go in and win, that's just, that just kills them. And it doesn't help us so much, or excuse me, it doesn't help them if we if they beat us, because the chances of Milwaukee being a top one, you know, a top seventy-five team, are fairly low year to year. I mean, even this year, when I think we've got a pretty good team, I think we're probably going to end up in the, you know, in the one twenty-five to one seventy-five. So, it doesn't help Notre Dame to really have beaten us this year. Whereas Minnesota, we went in and beat them, is catastrophic. But then again, sure. I think Minnesota was willing to play us because Minnesota wasn't expecting to win anyway, so they might as well get some teams that look and act, look and, act and play a lot like Big Ten teams. So I think that's why we yeah. ended up on so, the schedule. But at the end of the day, I'm just saying it's, it's hard for us to schedule, so we need to start working together and try and see what can we do as a conference of 10 teams. Can we put together, mm-hmm. a, can we put together a challenge with Maybe the Summit League. Maybe it's time for us to just say, suck it up and say, look, if we want to, if we want to look down on the Summit, maybe we should just start playing them every year, and then they can yeah, shut so. up when they say, oh, our RPI is better than yours this year. You know, we can bring in North yeah, Dakota so. State. Yeah. So. I just, I'm just saying anyway. that Alpha would have had another good home or away game if we had had a, a Summit League challenge. Yeah. If so. North Dakota State was going to Valpo or Valpo was, you know, going to South Dakota State. That's good for the program. Good for them. Yeah. Good so, for the rest of us. Great. I had a, so, I, had, I had a question about um, you mentioned those two uh, not, uh, non-division one teams that you guys played. We had two on our schedule this year, but it's my understanding that was part of the Beaver Showcase, almost like we were forced um, into it. Do you know how that works? I with I don't know about how it worked with Alpo because I'm not familiar with the Beaver Showcase. Some, well, I, I sometimes you'll have uh, a promoter like a promoter will put together a, a tournament, an in-season right. tournament, and there will be either some connection that they'll have, or they're trying to they need to fill up and they don't have enough teams because 
frankly, there are a lot of early season tournaments now. I mean, I would say 90% of Division One is in these tournaments now. Sure. So sometimes it's hard to get player teams for those dates, so you just have to fill the, fill a hole with a non-D1. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm assuming that's probably what happened with you guys this year. Um, that wasn't our problem. Our problem was uh, Trinity was a Trinity was a game that happened anyways. Um, what wasn't supposed to happen was the game that became the Judson game. Um, that was a high major. That was a high major home game we had. Okay. And that high major team uh, bought out the contract for that yeah. tournament or for that return or for that game. So we couldn't. We can't play them. In right. that uh, we couldn't play them for the tournament, so or right. for the, so, we can play them at home. They paid us to get out of the contract, so we had to scramble right. and we picked up Judson. Yeah, okay. So yeah, we, let's go ahead and wrap this up then. <laughs> um, are we are we already James at Wired? the point where we're dropping? Um, no, but we are at the point where we are probably pushing an hour and a half right now. <laughs> At least. Oh, really? What? Yeah. So, I can talk yeah. with James so, Squire for an hour and a half every day, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, of course you can. So, but, um, yeah, so let's wrap this up. Um, love to, th- you know, thank our guest, uh, James Squire. Um, again, on the Horizon blog, which is horizonleague.blogspot.com. Um, and so we'll we'll be back with you next week. Um, again, you can catch us on fourlights.fm and uh, subscribe to our uh, subscribe to our podcast. So um, we'll um, any part any you know any parting words, Jimmy? Um, prowl on, go Panthers! <laughs> uh, I'm really I'm really happy we got that win over Green Bay. Don't be uh, don't be too <laughs> sour, Green Bay fans. Feel the power. All right. All right, so that's it. We'll see you next week then. I can't wait.